You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and guess what? It's Tuesday. So welcome to this Tuesday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes you, causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. How many of you want to win in life? You want to land? We win in life. And I'm so glad to have you with us. We're going to have a great time in the Word. I want you to tag a friend and let them know that we're alive. They can get us on uh, they, they can get us on Facebook. They can get us on YouTube. And then you can go back and get these uh, these podcasts on demand. Listen, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. You said, Mike, you said that every podcast. Well, I believe it. I believe that the word of God is the answer. And that's what the Lord said to me in 1984, that the word is the answer. And so I believe it's going to be good because I'm going to be sharing with you the word. And I want you to share the lesson at the conclusion of the, of of the podcast. And then I got my, uh, my iPod, my iPad here so that we can answer any questions that you may have. You know, uh, before I get into the lesson, I want to mention this. I had a really great question at, asked me, asked of me uh, in our last session, and it was in the light of school shootings, what would you say to someone who says, how come God didn't prevent it? Why did he allow it? And I I gave an answer, but the spirit of God quickened something. So I want you to see, I want you to know about something coming down the pike. I decided that I'm going to teach a series, a short series on my Thursday podcast, not this Thursday, because I'm going to be talking about uh, loneliness and overcoming loneliness. But after that uh, series, I'm going to do a series entitled, Why Doesn't God Stop Tragedies? Why Doesn't God Stop Tragedies? And I'm going to get deeper into that question. So thank you for asking your questions. They help us to fill in the gap. And and so continue to do it. Well, we've been talking about mixing faith with God's word. Hebrews chapter four, verse two says that the word preach did not profit them, Israel, because they didn't mix faith with what they heard. So we're learning about this faith thing and how faith works. Now, this is our seventh lesson. This will be our final lesson within this series, Mixing Faith with God's Word. We've learned that there are four areas of importance in this series. Number one, focus. And we've talked about where our focus should be in God. We talked about the foundation. That's the second area. Our foundation should be hearing, believing, and acting on the word. The word of God should be our foundation. And then we talked about the process, the third area of importance. And we we talked about the four components of faith, how faith works. And in this last session, it's going to be a really good session. We're going to talk about development. 
focus, foundation, process, and development. Today, we're going to talk about how to develop your faith. How to develop your faith. Sometimes when I put these lessons together, Spirit of God downloads the information uh, that he wants me to share with you. I get so excited. I mean, I just get thrilled. And sometimes I wish I had heard this information when I was a young believer. I wish I had uh, been taught what I'm teaching you. And there are others who who have never heard. So I want you to embrace the responsibility of not just hearing and practicing for yourself, but sharing this information. It is so vitally important to God, to the kingdom, and to others that you share what you learn. So I'm excited about this, how to develop your faith. Now, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, the A or the first part of the verse. I'll read it to you in the New King James Version. Listen to it. We are bound, Paul is speaking to the church at Thessalonica. He said, we're bound to thank God always for you, brethren as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly. Now, I want you to notice that he's, he's speaking to believers and he's rejoicing over their development. And he said something that is in the context of what we're talking about. He said to them, your faith grows exceedingly. Now, listen to that. Your faith grows exceedingly. So if their faith, and they were in the body of Christ, the same body of Christ that we're in, they were believers, Christians. We're believers in Christian and Christians. So if their faith could grow exceedingly, then our faith can grow Exceedingly. We're talking about how to develop your faith, how to develop your faith. I want to give you uh, uh, two introductory statements. Number one, all Christians have faith and start out with the same measure of faith. That's a good thought provoking statement. All Christians have faith and start out with the same measure of faith. That's what the Apostle Paul said to the Romans in Romans 12, 3. He said that God has dealt to every man, specifically talking about the body of Christ, Christians, because unbelievers don't have faith. They don't have Bible faith. Bible faith has not been delivered to them, but he said it has been delivered to every man in the bond of Christ, the measure of faith. 
So all Christians have faith. If you ever wonder whether or not you have faith, Lord, I wish I had faith. No, you have it. If you're a believer, you have faith. And you were given in your born-again experience the measure of faith. So we all have faith, all Christians, and we all start out with the same measure of faith. Now listen at this second statement. Faith development is progressive. Say that. Faith development is progressive. Now let's look at that word develop because we are talking about how to develop our faith, how to develop your faith. I know you want to develop your faith. You want your faith to grow. Well, let's look at the word develop. The word develop means to cause to grow. Your faith can grow. The word develop means to cause to grow and expand. Your faith can expand. The word develop means to become more mature, more mature. I would like to think I was born again October the 4th, 1977. So this October, I will have be, been saved for 45 years. Wow, that's a long time. I would like to think, and I believe with all my heart, that my faith has matured from the day I was saved. I started out with the measure of faith, October the 4th, 1977, but my faith has matured, and I bet your faith has matured. The word develop also means to bring to a more advanced, effective, and usable state. Now, I like that definition. The word develop means to bring to a more advanced, effective, or usable state advance. Faith can become more advanced. Faith can become more effective, usable. And, and you know, I always give definitions so that we can all get on the same page. But don't you want to get beyond definitions? Now, faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11. 1. I think you want I know I do, to get beyond just definitions. I want my faith to be usable. I want to know how to use my faith. I want to know how to develop my faith. And that's what we're dealing with. We're talking about how to develop our faith. How can our faith become more advanced? How can we become more effective in the use of our faith, how can our faith become usable? In other words, a, a plumber has tools, a carpenter has tools, and a good carpenter knows his tools. Well, we're, we're to, the Bible said we're to live by faith. We're, we're, we're to walk by faith. We're to overcome the world by faith. We're to resist the devil in faith. Well, faith for us should be usable. We should know how to take our faith and use it, apply it to a, a context. And in this lesson, we're talking about how do I develop it? 
Well, Mark 4.28 tells us that everything begins with first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. First the blade. I want you to remember this because it's a principle. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Nothing it begins fully developed. Now, remember that. Nothing begins fully developed. That's true of humans. That's true of, of life experiences. That's true of knowledge. That's true of skill. It's true of faith development. It doesn't come fully developed. Now, in this, this lesson today, I'm going to give you three metaphors of faith three metaphors of faith. These metaphors will help us, you and I, to understand why and how faith is developed. So I'll give you an overview of these metaphors. Number one, faith is a force. Say that. Faith is a force. Secondly, faith is is a muscle. Say that. Faith is a muscle. And then thirdly, faith is an employee or a servant. Say that. Faith is an employee or a servant. Now, we have three metaphors. We're going to walk you through these metaphors. I got my iPad here. You can ask questions. You can send your questions in. I'm going to be looking at my iPad because I'm going to answer your questions at the end of this teaching. Any comments you might have. Now, listen at this. Faith is a force. First, our first metaphor. This metaphor helps us to understand the development of our faith. How it's developed. Faith is a force. Now, in Scripture, and we base our teaching on Scripture, in Matthew 8, verse 10, Jesus commended a man, and he said, you have great faith. This man spoke to Jesus about his, his ill servant, and Jesus was prepared to come to his house to heal the man. And the man said, now listen, you don't have to come to my house. Speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus marveled at the man saying, and he said, oh, great is your faith. I've not seen this great faith in all of Israel. Now notice, great faith. Jesus one day asked uh, Peter one day asked Jesus, after seeing him walk on the water, say, bid me to come. Allow me to come on the water. And Jesus said, come on. And Peter started walking on the water. And in Matthew 14, verse 31, after Peter walked for a period of time, but he saw the wind and the waves, and, 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 and he got afraid and began to sink. Jesus grabbed him. They walked to the boat, and Jesus said to him, O ye of little faith. Now, think about it. That's powerful. 
He walked on the water, but Jesus called it little faith because he didn't finish. He didn't finish the walk. Notice, great faith, little faith. Romans chapter 4, is Paul rec records how God gave Abraham a promise about a child. And in verse 19, Romans 4, 19, Paul said that Abraham was not weak in faith. And then in Romans 4.20, Paul said, but he was strong in faith, being not weak in faith, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So the scripture says that Abraham was not weak in faith, which tells me you and I can be weak in faith, but he was strong in faith, which tells you and I that we can be strong in faith. Now, notice strong faith gives glory to God. Now, we see from these four illustrations that it's possible for my faith to be great, my faith to be little, my faith to be weak, or me be weak in the use of my faith, or I can be strong in faith. So we see that faith is a measurable force. Come on, follow me. This is going to bless you. Faith is a measurable force. I see I have a question. I'm going to get to it. Thank you for bringing your questions forth. Faith is a measurable force. It operates at a greater or lesser degree of manifestation. It is a force. Now, let's go to a natural illustration. Oh, you're going to enjoy this. Oh, yes. Now, let's, let's go to a natural illustration. Let's say you have a garden hose, H-O-S-E, a hose that you water your garden with. Let's say you have a firefighter's hose. You're a firefighter, and you know you don't use a garden hose. You use a firefighter's hose. And let's say for teaching purposes only, a house catches on fire. Follow the illustration? Uh, fire, a house catches on fire, and you have at your disposal a garden hose or firefighter's hole. I'm going to ask you a question, and you're the smart class, so in the smart class, so I know you're going to get the answer. If a, a house catches on fire, and you have the opportunity to assist in putting the fire out, which hose would you choose? Would you choose the garden hose to put the fire out? Or would you choose the firefighter's hose to put the uh, fire out? Think about that for a moment. You read it. Really, you shouldn't have to think much about it. Answer. Which hose would you choose? Guess what? I know your answer. Your answer is you would choose the firefighter's hose. And I know why you would choose it. Because the firefighter's hose would release more water faster with greater force and pressure. Now, 
Am I right? Absolutely. I know you would. I know you wouldn't take that garden hose and try to put the. Now, if that's all you had, you will be spraying all over the place. If that's all you had, okay. But if you had a choice, you would choose a firefighter's hose. Now, listen at this statement. It's a. It's, this is some good stuff. Now, listen. The water coming out of the garden hose would extinguish the fire that it came in contact with. Yes, it is. Even though it's a garden hole, the water coming out of that garden hole would extinguish the fire that it came in contact. Here's the problem, though. The fire is continued to burn. And by the time you get to the whole house with the garden hole, the house will burn down. So that's why you would choose the firefighter's hose instead of the garden hose. The water coming out of the garden hose is no different than the water coming out of the firefighter's hose. But it is the amount of water flowing out is the is faster coming out so you can cover more territory and the pressure and the force coming out of the firefighter's hose is much greater than the garden hose. I know you got that illustration. So what are we saying? We're saying that faith is a force that develops through use. Now, I want you to make a note of that. I want you to write that down somewhere. Faith is a force that develops through use. The more you use it, the greater the force of it. The more you use it. Now, here's some, here's some instructions before we go to the next metaphor. Use your faith on small fires. Use your faith on small things. The headache. Use your faith on a cold now, in our church, and my philosophy is that God gave medical science, so we never talk against it. I have a physician, uh, I have a great doctor, Christian doctor, but I think I believe in medical science, but I also believe in the word. And the only way you're going to develop your faith is you have to use it. We talked about how faith works about hearing and believing and speaking and acting. So now I'm saying you're going to have to use your faith. Now, you can take medicine, but sometimes if it's something minor, just take the word and begin to use your faith on it so you can develop your faith on the headache, the cold, the rent, the small debt. Before you try to believe to get out of total debt, put it on a debt. Uh, we used, my wife and I used to increase our giving. We went from tithing 10% to 12% to 13% to 15% to 18%. Now we tithe 20% of our income. But we were using our faith and applying the pressure of faith to things. So don't wait until you're in a crisis. Develop your faith. Go to the doctor. See what's going on. Don't let the fire get ahead of you. Don't wait till the house is almost burning down before you go to the doctor. It's not going to hurt your faith, okay? So faith is a force. Let's go to our next metaphor. 
Hope you got some out of that. I got a question. I got a question here. You can send your questions in. Now, listen at this. Faith is a muscle. Faith is a muscle. That's our next metaphor. Faith is a mountain. Now, we're giving you these meta- metaphors, too, and we're going to say the same thing. going to say it just a little bit different, okay? Now, we end faith as a force by saying it develops through use. Now, let's talk about faith as a muscle, and I'll give you an example. Let's start off with an example. Have you ever heard of The Rock, Dwayne Johnson? He was a former wrestler, but he's a he's a um, he's an actor now. And if you watch movies, you've seen him. He's six feet five and very muscular. Okay, so he's our example of a muscular person. His muscles are visible. His muscles are noticeable. And even though I don't know him personally, I'm convinced he developed his muscles over time. I'm convinced he lifted weights, he exercised, he controlled his diet, probably took vitamins and supplements, but he developed his body over time. And so we can see, visibly see, the manifestation of the use of his muscles. Okay, let's talk about a non-muscular person. Let's talk about me. Now, I'm... You know, I used to be, you know, but I, I've I've gotten shorter as time going on. <laughs> I used to be around six feet tall, but I'm I'm below six feet now. So he's six five muscular person. I'm below six feet now, and I'm a non-muscular person. My muscles are not visible. My muscles are not noticeable. But scientifically, I have as many muscles as he has in his body, the rock. But I have not developed my body. I have not developed my muscles. On the other hand, if I will do what it takes to develop muscles, develop my body, if I control my diet, lift weights, if I was exercise, I can develop my body. Now, I can't compare myself to the rock. He's 6'5". I'm below six feet. I can't compare myself. So I'm not going to try to lift the same amount of weights. I'm not going to try to follow his routine because I'll get in trouble trying to do that because he developed his muscles over time. So I won't try to pick up the same amount of weight and I won't try to do everything he's doing But I will start with where I am. And he may lift hundreds of pounds. I'll just lift my 10 or my 15, my 20, my 30, and my 50. And I'll be satisfied with developing my body, not his body. And that's the way faith is. Faith is a muscle. It can be developed through use. I have to increase the pressure on my faith in the same way to develop my muscles and my capacity to lift weight. I have to add more weight. Now, I may start off with 10 pounds, but I can't develop my muscles, my body, 
my physique, if I stay there, I have, I have to add more weight. So I go to 20 or 15 pounds and then I'll keep adding weight. And that's the way faith is. It's a muscle. You have to use it. You have to add more weight to your what you're doing, what you're believing for, and it will grow and develop. Now, let me give you some illustrations. David, the Bible says, killed a lion, then he killed a bear, and then he killed the giant. He didn't start off trying to fight a giant. He started with a lion, then a bear, then the giant. When I think about the, the development of the ministry that God has blessed me to be pastor of Faith Chapel, we started the church. I started the church through the leading of the Holy Spirit with four people in the den of my home, just four people in the den of my home. Then we moved to a funeral home, Starward Funeral Home, and we had more people add more pressure. Then we went to the YWCA downtown, and we had more people than we had at the funeral home. Then we bought a school, a, a, a discontinued school on 3.4 acres, and it was raw. I mean, not used, no parking lot. I mean, it was just raw, okay? But we stayed there, and we developed that. Then we bought more ground. We, we, we bought uh, 37 acres and a, adjacent camps, another campus. And then we added 140 acres to that. And then we built, well, we paid off the 3.4 acres in the school building that we had renovated. We add pressure. Then we moved to the what we call Campus A, and built a 3,000-seat sanctuary dome-free. But we're developing our muscles. We didn't start there. Then we we built and uh, developed a family activity center. Now, a 3,000-seat sanctuary cost $16 million. Our faith is growing. Then we built and paid off a $26 million family activist. Our faith is growing. It's developed. All of it is debt-free right now. I'm talking about how to develop your faith. But we didn't begin believing for millions of dollars. Listen at this. Our monthly income in October the 31st, I'm talking about the church now, 1982. October the 31st, 1982, our monthly income was $1,000. $694. That's what we were bringing in in our church. Monthly income, October the 31st, 1982, $1,694 was our monthly income, and we had to believe for every penny of it. So we didn't start off believing for millions. Our faith was developed. And if you're a pastor or, or you're over an organization, your organization and, and your congregation Faith can grow, but you have to add some more pressure to it. Now, listen at this. Pete and I started off 
our marriage, living with my mother. We were in my mother's house. We went from my mother's house to a rental house. We went from a rental house to a starter house. We went from a starter house to the first house we built. We paid it off. And then we are now in what I call the Moore State on seven acres. But we didn't start there. Our faith had to develop. Faith is a muscle. If you keep adding a little to it, can't add too much to it, you overwhelm your faith. But if you add more pressure, every time believe for something else, believe for more, add a little more, and your faith muscles will grow. And then my last metaphor is faith as an employee. I hope you're getting something out of that. I see another question there. Come on, give me your questions. This is our last lesson on this. We'll start something else. Um, in our next session. Faith is an employee. Faith is a force. Faith is a muscle. Faith is an employee. Or we could say a servant. It's to serve us. Now watch this. Luke 17. Are you getting anything out of this? I I, I wish I had heard this years ago. I, are you getting something out of this? Are you getting something out of this? Man, I, I just believe somebody's being helped. I sense in my spirit that a pastor's being helped. I sense in my spirit that a single person is being helped. I sense in my spirit that there are people listening to this podcast, and you are being blessed. Now, faith is an employee. Think about an employee, or we could say a servant. Luke 17, verse 5, verse 7 through 8. Luke 17, verses 5, and then verses 7 through 8. Listen what it says. Jesus says, uh, and, and this is something Jesus said. Now watch this. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. That's verse 5. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. That's verse 5. Now watch this. So they wanted their faith to grow. They wanted their faith to develop. They, they wanted their faith to expand, to be able to achieve more, to be more, to do more. So they said, Lord, increase our faith. Now, Jesus in verse 7 through 8 gave them an uh, illustration on how to increase their faith. He said, and which of you haven't a servant, servant plowing and tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come once and sit down to eat. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper, gird yourself, serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward, you will eat and drink. Now, this is a powerful uh, parable, if you will. He said, now, which of you, he, he's sharing with them how to increase their faith. Which of you have a servant? And the servant is, number one, plowing the field. The servant is working. The employee is working, plowing the field. And the servant is also tending the sheep. And let's say the servant finished plowing, finished tending the sheep, and the servant come in the house and get ready to sit down. He said, no, 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 it's no time to sit down. You finish plowing. You finish tending the sheep. Here's what I want you to do now. Here's your next task, servant. 
your next task employee, I want you to prepare something for me to eat. So I want you to take off your field clothes. I want you to put on your house clothes and I want you to prepare my meal. And after you prepare my meal, I want you to do something else for me. Then I want you to serve me. So that servant had to plow, that servant had to tend the sheep, that plow had to prepare the meal, had to serve the meal. And he said, I want you to work for me until I am full. I'm through with you. And then you can sit down. Now, what is he teaching us? He's teaching us that faith is an employee. Faith is a servant. Now, listen carefully. The word employ means, it's the root word of employee, means to put to work. What is a servant? A real servant works. It's designed to work. So in order to increase your faith, in order to develop your faith, now listen to me carefully, you have to keep your faith working. Working. An employee, now here's an illustration, a natural employee that is given proper attention, placed in the right fit, trained, empowered, encouraged, and nurtured will bring great blessing to a country, to a company. So if the servant or the employee is given attention, proper attention, put on a job assignment that fits their skill set, they're trained, they're developed, they're encouraged, they're empowered, then that employee will bring great benefit to the company. The same is true of your faith. If you will nurture and feed your faith with the word of God, put your faith on the proper assignment, and if you will encourage and train and develop your faith and keep your faith working on the right job assignment, it'll bring great blessing to you. Faith, though, is a full-time employee. Faith has to be a full-time servant. Now listen, you must put your faith on assignments. When your faith completes the assignment, you get the manifestation. You don't let your faith sit down. You put your faith on another assignment. When your faith causes the manifestation, you put it on another assignment. The reason we plateau, whether it's corporately in our churches, in our ministries, our business, we get to a place and we set our faith down. That's why Christians plateau. They, they, they put their faith on something. They get the manifestation. They call their faith to sit down. No, you put your faith on the house. For illustration, and you believe for to get the house. Now you got to furnish the house. Then you put your faith on furniture for the house. Then once you furnish the house, put your faith on maintenance. Don't let your grass grow up everywhere and neighbors angry at you. No, you put your faith on finances to be able to to 
to get a lawnmower or to hire somebody to keep your yard up. Your faith has to keep working. Then you're going to put your faith on paying bills consistently. Then you're going to put your faith on getting out of debt. Now, once you get out of debt, you're not going to tell your faith to sit down. You're going to put your faith on something else and it will keep growing and it will grow as long as you live in or you can get satisfied and say, well, I'm through with that. I'm ready. I don't want no more of that. And your faith will sit. Now, listen, Psalm 68 verse 19 says, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits daily. God wants to bless us every day if we'll keep our faith on the line. The reason why the blessings stop is because we stop hearing, believing, confessing, acting on the word. And so our faith stops. But the Bible says he daily loads us with benefit. God has more for you. God wants to do more for you. I know your house is paid off and your car is paid off and you want to rest. No, you're going to put your faith on something else. Don't cost you anything to believe. Don't cost you anything to believe. Now, faith is a force. Faith is a muscle and faith is an employee. It is a servant. I trust that you receive something good from this lesson. I think the next session, I'm going to take it to another level. We're going to talk about next level faith, but this is good. You got to go back and listen to this. You got to listen to this more than one time. You got to go back and then I want you to share it with somebody. Well, I'm out of time. I want to answer your questions. Now, question number one, why do some spiritual leaders today speak against the power of faith? That's a mystery to me. It is a mystery to me, but there's a great question because there are ministers who talk against the faith message, and I think I think maybe it's because they've seen abuses. They've seen Christians try to, but they haven't really understood the things that I'm talking about and have taught in this seven-week series, this seven uh, episodes. And so they've seen fanaticism, and they threw the baby out with the bathwater. The bathwater was dirty, and rather than just get fresh bathwater, they took the baby and the bathwater and threw it out the door. And and I, I think it's unfortunate because the Bible says the just shall live by faith. The Bible says uh, we walk by faith. The Bible said this is the victory that overcomes the, our faith. The Bible says take the shield of faith and you'll quench the fire darts of the wicked one. I would never, even if I see people, think about it. There's all this talk about, all this talk about violence and stuff like that. But guess what? Guess what? I can use a baseball bat and I can hit somebody across the head with the baseball bat. But just because I hit the somebody across the head with the baseball bat doesn't mean I have to talk against baseball bats. I have to use the baseball bat in a proper way. I have to have guidelines around the baseball bat. I have to have rules concerning using the baseball bat. And I think that's true of life. I think it is... It is so unwise, and that's the sweetest thing I can say. That's it's so unwise to talk against something because someone abused it. 
And then some people talk against it because they're ignorant. They don't know. They've never studied it. They've never spent time with it. And it's just unfortunate. But that's a great question. If our faith, our belief and trust are strong enough, should we have the confidence in God to speak our desires and know it will be done as long as it is God's will and it shall manifest? Now, listen, I think that's that's a great question. And I agree with the question. 100%. Now, listen at the question. If our faith or our belief or our trust are strong enough, should we have the confidence in God, yes, to speak our desires, yes, knowing it will be done, yes, as long as it is God's will and it shall manifest, yes, yes. If we will stand on it, and dare to mix faith with it. And God has spoken it. He has revealed, it is his revealed will. It shall manifest. And, and the bottom line is most of the time, because it doesn't manifest overnight, we throw it away. We plant the seed in our garden in the back on Tuesday, and we go out on Wednesday, one a harvest. And when we don't see the harvest, plant a good seed, all things being equal, it's going to grow. If it's good soil, sun, rain, and all that, it's going to grow, but it's going to take some time. How do you have faith to believe for someone else's healing? That's a good question. Ooh, that's a good question. Let's Talk about something, and then push it off. Push it off. When it comes to other people, their faith is a part of the process. It's not just your faith. What things over you desire, Mark eleven twenty four, says what things over you desire when you pray, believe you receive. It's talking about you personally. I'm not talking about what you believe for someone else, because when you're believing for someone else's healing, go ahead and believe for it. But technically, you are agreeing. You are agreeing. And apart from their participation, you need a miracle. Okay. That's not faith healing. Faith healing for somebody else, their agreement is important. You can't take your faith and make it work for someone who doesn't agree with you. You're believing for their healing. They're talking about the funeral, how they want their funeral done, and, and, and who they want to preach and who they want to sing. There's no agreement there. So when you're believing for someone else's healing, you need them to agree in what they've, they're hearing, what they're believing, what they're saying, and in their actions. And the Bible says if two shall agree, they'll have it. Now, you can use your faith on your kids when they're small. When they're small, you can use your faith and you can believe for your kids. You can stand for your kids when they're little. You can stand, but as they mature now, they're going to have to use their own faith. But you can take your faith. I used to release my faith all the time for my kids, all the time for my kids, because they're under my jurisdiction. 
I have authority over their lives. They're developing right now. So I can release my faith and stand if I'm standing on the word. That's a good question. Uh, here's a comment. Two things, Pastor. Faith as a muscle seed can move a mountain. The seed is tiny. That's good. That's right. The gift of faith in my life is God's supernatural faith on, on my faith. Is that correct? Okay. What you're communicating is two things. Faith is a seed and it will grow. It start off tiny, but it will grow. You're absolutely correct on that. And it will move the mountain. Then you throw in the gift of faith. The gift of faith is over in 1 Corinthians 12, verses uh, 7 through 11. It talks about the gift of faith. Now, you can't control the gift of faith. You can't control when it happens, okay? You can't manipulate it. You can pray, you can learn about it, you can, can, can communicate to God, and you can pray for people, pray for the sick, and you're believing that God will give you the gift of faith, but it's not something you can just take here, do this whenever you want. The gift of faith operates as the Spirit will. So you have that in great context and it is supernatural it is not necessarily super gift of faith is not necessarily god's faith on your faith it is god's faith it is god's supernatural miracle working faith deposited in your spirit deposited and manifest through you it's really not your faith at all when it's your uh, this mustard seed of faith, that's your faith developing. The gift of faith is a divine deposit that God downloads in your spirit and you're flowing out of that faith. Great comment, great insight. Uh, I wish I heard this years ago as well. I'm blessed by this. It's been a serious struggle of mine for a while. Listen, uh, you know, I feel like that often. I wish I had known this earlier. But listen, you're alive, and I don't care what age you are, God has something better for you. Your best life is ahead. I got a prophetic word that I'm going to share with Faith Chapel uh, in a few weeks. Your best years are ahead of you. So no matter whether you're young, middle-aged, or senior, you're in the senior years of your life, uh, God got something better. You can use it now, okay? It's not for the past. God is teaching you because there are more he wants to give you, more he wants you to do, more He, more people he wants you to help, and he's not giving you this, and you can't use it now. Yeah, he's giving you this information because you have time, and he's going to use you in a great way. Listen. Thank you so very much. I enjoyed it. We, we're going to take it to another level in our next uh, Tuesday podcast. I love you. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your participation. Please share it with somebody. Push the button, share, and share this information with others. Mm -hmm.